Well, uh, it's such a, it's an exciting night. Whoa, I was like, what's happening behind me? Uh, it's an exciting night to be here. And, you know, the Lord, it's, I think Psalm 105, it talks about remember. Remember all the works of the Lord. Remember what he's done. And I couldn't help but just remember uh, on this night and this day what God has done in a year. It's kind of hard to fully swallow it or comprehend it, uh, but it's good. So I'm going to pray, and then I'm just going to share my heart, honestly. I'm not going to preach. I'm just going to share my heart. So, uh, Lord, we just come with, with gratitude right now for who you are, for what you've done, and for what it tells us about what you're going to do. And, Lord, I pray that you give us grace right now to even look past uh, the works that you've done here so that we can look and behold your very face because we want you to receive all the honor and all the praise and all the glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's fun to be here. Uh, I wish that we had like uh, one service instead of two so we could just go all night. Uh, but there's so many people I wish I could honor uh, just thoroughly, like spend 10 minutes just telling you what it means to me and what you've meant to this and how this wouldn't exist without you. Um, I could literally go on and on and on, and uh, it's amazing just to reflect upon all the stories of how God's brought so many people and woven them into this, and so I'm just going to share what my thoughts have been, and I'll, I'll share a couple verses, that way we're still at church, right? <laughs> Got to talk about the Bible. Uh, John 15, 5, it says, I'm the vine, you're the branches, he who abides in me and I, he, and I in him he bears much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Uh, you know, we're here, there's a lot to celebrate because we've seen growth here, which is exciting. Uh, but I remember when I was, I studied business, I, was, I wasn't planning to be a pastor. And I went, uh, it was like my junior or senior year of college, I had to go interview someone, uh, like they called it informational interview, and you just kind of pick someone's brain and get into their heart uh, behind their leadership. And there's a friend of mine who's a CEO, he's actually here, I was um, not here tonight, but in the valley. And I met with him and said, hey, I just want to interview you and ask you some questions. And we were talking about growth. He was uh, CEO of a business that was very rapidly growing. And he started talking to me. He's like, you know, there's two types of growth. It's like there's healthy growth and there's very unhealthy growth. And he's like, to have healthy growth, you have to have a foundation. You have to uh, do it in such a way that you can support it and facilitate it. And it always had just stuck in my mind because I'd never thought of it that before. I was like, 21 years old and think about healthy growth versus I just thought growth was growth, you know, and he was just telling me stories of how, yeah, we did this product and it boomed, but then it fell out because we didn't do it the right way. Does that make sense? And when we came to building this church, honestly, I, I wanted my heart, and you can, from the earliest meetings with anybody from leadership capacity, leadership team, financial decisions, anything, it was like, we want to be dependent. I said, I want to posture ourselves so that if this thing grows, then we know that we know that we know that it's God. And I was like, I want hands off. I don't want, uh, you know, your, my own ambition to weave in. Like, this is either going to be God or it's not. And I want it to be really clear, right, which is kind of, like, risky. But this is the thing, when you don't have very much, there's not that hard to risk it, right? <laughs> 
You're like, I'm risking my financial future, which is like $5,000 in my bank account, right? Like, it's pretty easy to, like, take these leaps of faith. And uh, so it was like 10 of us, and we did this. And uh, I chose, uh, we've chosen at this point, we haven't, we haven't spent a dollar on advertisement. We don't market. We haven't, uh, we haven't done anything fancy, really, intentionally. Because it was like, I just want to put our budget, our operating, we didn't have any money when we started this. Like, literally, we laugh about this all the time. Our budget, our operating budget was $2,000 a month. That was when we started. And that was like, all right, Lord, you're going to provide, right? Um, You know, so like there is nothing. Um, I had, there's people that, you know, told me lots of things, but it wasn't what the Lord was telling me of all these to-dos and all these responsibilities. And the Lord said, no. He said, this is what I want you to do. Hear my voice and obey me. And I was like, okay. So we chose to do this. Um, and, I, and I'm, yeah, and I'm confident that this has been healthy growth. I'm confident this has been God because we haven't tried to make anything happen. Like, we've just been faithful to pray and to come together and to love well. Uh, and we, we birthed this thing in simplicity, and we've been trying to stay with simplicity. Um, but... Uh, you know, I just want to talk through a few things that I've seen, um, and then I'm going to go deeper into what I think that actually means. Um, you know, we've seen this multiply now many times over. Uh, it's gone from 10 to whatever it is now. Uh, and we've seen God sovereignly intervene and do things that we could never do if I tried for like 10 years really hard. Uh, we watched God. We've seen, I've seen the stories of so many in this room. Like just off the top of my head, I think of like... Sherrod, because I could never not think of that dream, you know, like, um, but there's just like story after story of God weaving people, and then the Stiefels, our children's pastor, Jamie and Kim, the way God built that connection, if you haven't heard the story, you can listen on the podcast, I'm not going to tell you, but it's just watching God do things that like my, blew my mind, it's like, how do we do that, like, we literally had a meeting, and was like, okay, well, it's time to hire a children's pastor, but all we have is a very, very part-time budget for it, and three days, or a week later, I end up on like a phone call, uh, with the children's pastor of a huge mega church in Arizona who says, I don't care if I have to take $60,000 pay cut. This is where God's called me to come serve. I was like, no, 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 no. We've got like 80 people in the church. <laughs> you, can't, you can't be thinking this right. Like, how many kids in your ministry? 700? 700 kids. Yeah, no, we're not even 100 people. <laughs> you know, like, are you, we're on the same page, right? You're not listening to someone else's podcast, right? It's the stuff like that where you're like, how the heck can this happen? You know, I remember when Jamie got here, he looked at me and my mom after he said, I feel like I've been praying, was it 15 or 22 years for this church? One of those numbers. I don't know why it's those two. But, and I was like, dang, man, I was like five years old 22 years ago. How does that work? You know? But it's just time and time again, watching God do things that we couldn't do, watching God exceed. I feel like I've been living Ephesians uh, 3.19, greater and more abundant than anything you can ask or imagine. If someone would have told me a year ago when we were standing here doing this service of what we would be here tonight, I wouldn't believe them. I'd be like, that's more than I could imagine, honestly. And we're seeing it, and it's become this kind of rhythm that I feel like is taking us all in. You know, in, in India... Uh, you know, we, our operating budget was like $2,000 a month, and I don't know the exact number, but we're probably going to have given close to $50,000 just to India this year away. Like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You know, like, that's twice as much as we budgeted <laughs> for us to, like, do church, right? Um, 
And it's not about the finances. Uh, it's so much bigger than that because the finances have really followed what God's birthed there. And we've seen, you know, we have a pastoral network and uh, a men's and a women's seminary and uh, a church, a Riverhouse church being planted and a pastoral network across the region of southern India that's probably six, 700 pastors. And, like, it's like we were over there and... They're funny. They think, you know, they think we were like Americans, so we have all this stuff. And I remember we had this meeting, and they were telling us, you know, money they wanted and, and things they want to do for their vision. And I was like, yeah, well, you guys need to be praying, too, because we don't have a building either. And the look of you were like the big... You know, it's like, wait, wait, wait. We thought you were like the biggest church in America, right? And I'm like, no, I think you'd be really unimpressed, actually, if you, if you came here. I think you're picturing Joel Olstein, and we're like six months old, right? Um, but like that was, that's, the, that's like the gravity of what God used this in our infancy to birth across the world. And and I was reading, I was, you know, I'm always like, God, I want to do effective things. I got back from India this summer. I found a Hindu prayer guide, and I was reading it, and they said the biggest thing the Hindu world needs is pastoral education. And I was like, and we've already got a, two seminaries working for men and women and raising up these pastors. I was just like, Jesus, like how, you know? And it's a, it's a fruitful branch. I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you abide in me and, and I in you. Uh, you'll bear much fruit. And we've seen the fruitfulness of heaven flow through us. And, you know, that's not even beginning to talk about the testimonies that I've heard of transformation in so many lives, of the miracles that we're seeing, truly physical miracles, but even the ultimate miracles, which would be the turning of hearts that fall more in love with Jesus. I've heard the testimonies. I've seen the fruit. I've heard the testimony, like, I don't even know how many dozens of times that I'm finally home. I've been searching my whole life, and I'm home. And that one wrecks me every time because uh, it's just it's, it's what God's doing. It's just like, how could it be this consistent across the board? I swear I hear it a couple times a week from someone new, you know? And uh, so it's not just about externality, and it's not just about um, growth in numbers. In fact, I think growth in numbers is a really um, poor way to, uh, it's easy to celebrate, but it doesn't even capture the depth of what God's actually done here. Um, it's kind of crazy. I don't even know. How, I was like, God, I feel like I could talk an hour about things that I've seen you do, um, you know, for myself included. And I think we all know that. I think we've heard testimonies. If you're new here, you're, you'll hear them soon. Uh, but again and again and again, it's like watching this has been one of the most uh, desires fulfilled of my whole life. Uh, and with that, with all this that God has um, created, I think it's safe to say that we're not a church plant anymore, <laughs> right? Like, look around, we're here, right? Uh, I think we're a church, and I think we're now entering a transition from being a plant and from birthing uh, to being established in who we are. Uh, and so I think actually to a place where we can begin to mature. Amen? Does that sound fun? Uh, and so I think this is a big shift, and I think it's really important. And this is the question. I'm just going to share my heart. This is the question that's been on my mind, and I really think it's the question of this transition that has to be answered is, how do you stay in the same place of dependence that you birthed something in when you had nothing to lose when all of a sudden you now have the burden of blessing? 
And so how do we maintain dependence, the same posture of dependence, now that we have the burden of blessing? And I say the burden of blessing because, uh, you know, like I said, when you don't have anything, it's really easy to risk it. (laughs) Like, it was really easy to risk my financial security because I didn't have much to begin with. And I had some. It was a scary season. Um, But all of a sudden, when the church started growing and then uh, Jamie moves with his family from Arizona and then, you know, the staff grows and we have needs and we're trying to catch up with what God's doing. All of a sudden, I'm like, whoa, I'm not just risking anymore. Now they're risking and they're risking and they're risking and there's families and people's securities, right, and kids and school. And you start like, that's just in one room. It's like all of a sudden this blessing. I was like, whoa, I wasn't ready for this burden. Does that make sense? Right, like all of a sudden when you have nothing, you can risk it all, but then you get something and you're like, whoa, this is a burden. Like it's beautiful, it's exciting, but it starts exposing like fractures inside. It starts putting pressure on things. Whoa, I didn't know I had that kind of fear in there, right? I didn't know I had this. I didn't know I was clinging to control in that way. And it's been this process for me internally, like of constantly changing and renewing myself. But I feel like it's not just for me. I feel like it's us as a house. We're living apart, all knowing. I think this is probably the statement that can capture everything that God's done. As we know, this is a house not made with human hands. It's made by God. Nobody looks at me and they're like, man, that kid built that church. He's doing real good, right? He's just a kid. Right? I think God is using a young man because he wants everyone to know it's not about man or woman or flesh and blood. It's about me. Right? It's the church of Jesus Christ. Right? This is exciting. Right? But it's humbling because we get to be a part of it and we experience the joy and our life start getting interwoven into it and becomes something that's valuable to all of us. It becomes something that's owned by all of us. This church is not just a creation just of Jesus or just of people or just of pastors. It is everybody knitting their heart and lives into something that's being formed that is transforming the world. And it's called the Bride of Christ. It's called the Church of Jesus Christ. And it's God's chosen instrument to release his kingdom into culture to bring transformation, right? That's what we're called to do. But that means we have to give ourselves. We have to empty ourselves, which means all our stuff, good and bad, gets poured out, right? And when something becomes valuable, all of a sudden, whoa, I feel like i got to protect that now, right? i got to be responsible of that. And it's so easy in that process of something becoming beautiful to shift from this all-out dependence where it's either you, God, or nothing to now I've got to, like, start being responsible, Right? And we all need to be responsible stewards. But what I mean by responsible is we can start like what began in this raw abandonment, we think we need to steward now with control. Does that make sense? And so for me, I'm just stirring on this stuff. And I'm saying, God, we've got to get our focus aligned correctly so that we can see what has begun continue. What has begun really in immaturity continue into full expression and maturity. Right, Because that's what the heart of Jesus is. Because I believe the second we take control, uh, we limit what he can do. And something that got birthed is like a river. All of a sudden, it can become a dried up bed, banks. I don't want to see that happen. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm saying I'm just, we're in this shift. Right? And I believe the issue of stewardship, because we don't want to take control, but we want to do, uh, steward our responsiveness itself. And I believe the issue of stewardship is uh, where are you focusing? And particularly on this, it's do we focus on the fruit or do we focus on the vine, on the connection? Right? The, Jesus uses this thing, the branch that's connected to the vine uh, bears much fruit. 
right? And this, this was birth seeking Jesus. This is birth in prayer. If you haven't been to Tuesday morning prayer, this is where this is birth. It's in seeking him, being connected to the vine. But it's really easy to say, Jesus, you're everything. When you're just, you don't have anything, right? Like, it's funny because, like, you think I was, like, when he surrendered to me, I was at such a low point in my life. And it's like, okay, here's my life, you know. Just don't mess it up. It's like, man, you're in a rock bottom. There's nothing more to mess up, right? It's like, don't screw it up, Lord, right? It's easy. It's all about Jesus when there's not, when there's not the fruit, when there's not the thing that can fascinate the eyes that looks amazing, the platform, the favor. It's easy to be all about Jesus, um, but that's also like a place that can be developed because then you, you get to this intimate place. That's how this church was birthed. We're intimate with him, intimate with one another, and now it's born much fruit. And I think the question now is where do we focus? Right? The place of connecting to the vine, that would be symbolic of the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Right? The cluster of grapes, the bearing of fruit would be the great commission. Go forth and make disciples of all nations. Baptize him like tonight in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? Changing the world, a.k.a., right? Jesus wants that to happen. But what are we going to focus on? Are we going to focus on the great commandment or are we going to focus on the great commission? Because I believe that for us to be effective and do what we're called to do, we have to have our whole focus on the great commandment. Because if we fulfill the great commandment, the great commission is a, great, is a natural byproduct of that. It's like consequence of. It's like you can't fulfill the great commandment and not bear fruit, right? It's not, Jesus doesn't say like, you're a vine. Work really hard and like, bear fruit, right? He just says, be connected to me. Be intimate with me. Stay in me. Remain in me. Keep your eyes fixed on me, and you'll bear much fruit, right? And that's how we did it. We started, fix your eyes, 10 people, no money. Fix your eyes on Jesus. All of a sudden, fruit, and now we have fruit, and we have favor, and God's moving, right? And it's like, now where's the focus, right? And Jesus, uh, he, he's, you know, he gives it to us straight. And this is a weird message to share on a birthday, but this is what the Lord's been speaking to me. And his words are beautiful. His words are pure. His words are our only hope. And, he, and it says this, every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. Right? He prunes it. When a rose bush bears its first rose, you know what they do? They snip that thing off. And then that branch will bear multiple. It'll multiply. The roses, it'll do roses all up the entire branch. There's something about immaturity that it doesn't allow you. The branch isn't mature. It's not strengthened. It doesn't have the life, the vibrancy, the connection to withstand the amount of fruit that it's actually potential to bear, right? And I believe that we're in a season now that, that pruning, pruning is God's uh, method of teaching us how to focus on the right thing. Right? And I think, God, we're in this now. We've, we've received fruit. We're watching the fruit. We're seeing it. It's blowing my mind. And now in this place of having received it, now it's like, what are we going to do? Where are we going to focus? How are we going to continue in the same posture? How are we not going to just let the small shift of our eyes, just the small shift, keep us, steal us from the fullness of what God has? 
right? I believe that God has things in store. We're just seeing the beginning. Like we're just like in the river. It's like just up to our ankles. And we're like, holy cow, this is crazy. Like you're moving, you're transforming. And Corinthians 2, 1 Corinthians 2 says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard or coming of what these eyes that God has in store for those who love him, right? I think we are just at the beginning of what these eyes haven't seen or ears haven't heard. God is designed to express his fullness in the earth. It's not measure, right? He wants to give it all, right? We're celebrating today. We heard about what happened in Texas. There's suffering. There's pain. There's a reality that we live in a broken world, and it's not just like, oh, God wants Riverhouse to be great. He wants his kingdom to go because there's suffering people that need to receive healing, receive restoration. There's orphans that need to come home. There's prodigals that need to come home. There's a generation that's been fatherless and motherless and haven't had family. They're looking for family, right? So this is like near and dear. He's like, man, see this fruit, Riverhouse? See what I've done in a year. Watch what I can do in 20. Right? But we're not going to get there if our focus is on the fruit. If our focus is, oh, well, now we can do this. And we've got this prophetic word. You know, the thing I love about this church is we're a church of promise. I talk to you all the time. I've got promise. You guys write the new, when you come to the Roots class, you write to me. How's God equipped you? I see your promise to serve this vision. Here's the promise. God's given me this promise. I've got this vision. And you know what? We believe it. We believe the visions. It, it, it inspires me. There's so much faith. This is the promises. God's given us promises to bear fruit. But we're not going to fulfill those promises by going out and laboring to try to make it happen. We're going to fulfill those promises by being intimate, connected to the vine that says, I'm dependent. I'm going to empty myself and give everything to be connected with King Jesus. And this is just going to be consequence of. Because the reality is, this is not fulfillment. This is empty at the end of the day if it's just about fruit. Right? This, is just, this is just a wisp of fulfillment compared to what we were created for, which was to know him, right? This is eternal life, that you'll know him, right? I heard something once that said, if you got to go to heaven and there's endless pleasure and no pain and no weeping and joy upon joy upon joy and perfection, but Jesus wasn't there, would it be enough? It convicted me, so I was like, well, that sounds like heaven, and the question that I've been stirring in these days that the Lord's been putting on me, he's like, you've seen what I've done. You see all the fruit, Jordan. He's just saying, am I enough for you? Am I enough for you? So he said, I had a kingdom too. Angels worshiping me all the time. I had reputation. I had a throne. I had it all. He said, but you're enough for me. So I said, no to it all because I wanted you. And what's burning on my heart and what I just feel like God and where he's taking us is rooting us, fixing our eyes so that we can answer that question in the affirmative. You're the fascination of my eyes. I don't care what fruit comes. That's not going to take my first love. I don't care how much you do. My promised land is being one with you. Right? And it's an inside-out kingdom. You go in to go out. Right? We want to fill, we're going to fulfill these promises, but we're not going to fulfill them out there. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Look, 
in you. The journey's in you. Journey's in you. And I feel like God said, it's, I'm, gonna, I'm pruning River House. And I was like, praise you, God. Praise you, God. Praise you. Only you have that kind of wisdom. Right? And you say, what does that look like practically? I have no idea. But that's been my prayer. He said, Jordan, just start praying. Pray that I prune the church. Pray that I prune your, all the fruit. Let me prune it. Just yield yourself completely. Just say, God, you can have all the fruit. I was in prayer the other day, and I just all that I could pray is, Jesus, you can hide the fruit from my eyes my whole life, but don't hide your face from me. Don't hide your face from me because I can't live in that place, but I can live. I don't need to see the fruit. Fix my eyes. Fix my eyes so that everything I ever do is just yielded to you. It's just the byproduct of knowing you because knowing him is everything. Knowing him is fulfillment. Knowing him is joy. Knowing him is why we do church. Knowing him is why we're here. And I don't want us to ever mix that, ever. My burden that I carry is, God, don't let us miss you because we're so fascinated with what's happening. I told you this is a weird birthday message, but we're weird. <laughs> I'm up here crying. I'm happy, though. I promise. It's beautiful. I feel like we're this young sprout, this young, I don't even know what that means. You're not, you know what I was trying to say, though, right? This young sprout. There we go. We're this young, beautifully immature branch, right? Just like a 13-year-old. He's awkward, <laughs> right? We're still, we don't, we don't know who we are. And I believe God's going to bear much fruit through this house. And I believe that he's refining us and he's going to take us down to the core of who we are and connect us individually but corporately as a fruitful branch that's so connected to Jesus that we're going to know him so well, that we're going to be so, so deeply intertwined to his heart that when he sends us, it's going to be incredible. Because uh, there's a church called Antioch in Acts 13, and it says that Paul and Silas were there with the prophets and the teachers, the leaders of the church. And it says, while they were together ministering unto the Lord. They were, that was their priority, was to minister unto the Lord, right? This is great commandment. Loving him with everything. As they were ministering unto the Lord together, the Holy Spirit spoke, set apart Paul and Silas for the work that I've called them to. And out of this place of intimacy, God released and spoke the most fruitful missionary endeavor, uh, one of them in the history of the church. And I believe that if Riverhouse, as we as Riverhouse are faithful to fulfill the great commandment to love him with everything that we are, when he speaks, when he releases, we will, as nations get touched, we will get our breaths taken away again and again and again. As nations get touched, as cities get touched, as destinies are fulfilled, as promises are realized, of promises we didn't even know we could believe are getting realized in front of our eyes. That's, that's my dream. That's his dream. That's his heart because he sees a world that's aching and longing for hope. And his answer is his bride. But it's an intimate bride that knows him. Amen.